0: Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get fifteen percent off your first order when you use wnyc at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code wnyc at checkout for fifteen percent off.
1: Listener supported, wnyc studios.
0: Hey, it's Latif from Radio
2: Lab. Our goal with each episode. Is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab. Adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
3: This is all of it. I'm Allison Stewart live from the WYC studios in Soho. You know where I'm gonna be this week in that outsider art fair. Make a hole, make it wide, here I come. Whew love that art fair. I'm also so glad you were here listening with us, and if you're able, supporting us during our winter fun drive, we cannot make shows like this and keep WNYC afloat without you, so thank you so much for considering it. And just to preview next week's show, Margaret Atwood will join us to discuss her new collection of short stories. We'll also talk about the new TV adaptation of Daisy Jones and the Six with showrunner and executive producers, as well as a team who composed the music for the band. And we'll continue our conversation with oscar nominees as we look ahead to the awards ceremony we're going to speak with the costume designer of everything everywhere all at once really looking forward to that conversation that is all happening in the future but right now in the present right now let's get this hour started with ben okry Ben Oakley is a Booker Prize winning novelist, a poet, an essayist, a playwright, and a writer of short stories. But until recently, much of his work from the past 30 years had never been published in the U.S. That is changing with the help of a U.S. based independent publisher, Other Press, who since last year has been rolling out revised editions of his work going back to the 1980s. Those works include his 1995 novel, Astonishing the Gods, and revised versions of his 1996 novel, Dangerous Love, and his 2007 novel, Novel, The Last Gift of the Master Artists. Most recently, just on Tuesday, came the U.S. publication of the poetry collection, A Fire in My Head, Poems for the Dawn. There are poems with titles like Decolonization, Liberty, and On Race. They touch on topics like Black Lives Matter and the 2017 Grenfell Tower Fire in London. And there are poems dedicated to specific figures and organizations, including former President Obama and Amnesty International. Here to tell us more is Ben Okri. Ben, nice to meet you.
1: Real pleasure to be here. How are you?
3: I'm well, sir. Would you start us off with the poem Decolonization?
1: Yes, uh, with, with, uh, with pleasure. It's, uh, it's called Decolonization, and um, it has a subtitle from Fanon. It never takes place unnoticed, like a blade before your eyes. It transforms those crushed with their nothingness into central performers under the floodlight of history's blood-like gaze, a new rhythm by dawn men brought, a language new minted from the old earth, a humanity remade by vaporizing chains and the brutal alembic of oppression. It's the way new beings are forged from fire and rage, distilled into clear dawn. But nothing supernatural presides over this renewal. No deities or heroes or famed individuals. The new becomes being the same way it became free.
3: That was Ben Okri reading from A Fire in My Head, Decolonization from Fanon. Is that Franz Fanon?
1: Franz Fanon, absolutely.
3: Would you tell us? great sound listeners- um, yes, for listeners who don 't know <laughs>
1: the, oh well he's he 's a, a great theoretician um, of uh, of of revolution and um, and uh, the effect of colonization on the psyche of the colonized um, he 's been one of the most uh, influential um, um, writers um, um, of the twentieth century looking at um colonization and um, African nations and nations that have undergone oppression throughout the world. He was a psychiatrist and he brought um, his psychiatric training into a study of the effect of colonization on people's minds and psyches. He had a really illuminating effect on the politics of um, of uh, many nations across the world.
2: What did you want to distill about colonization and from his work in this poem?
1: Well, several things, um, but the, I think the most uh, I think the most important thing is that. Um, it's an act of it's an act of self transformation. It's, it's an act of self liberation. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to to decolonize is not just uh, casting off the colonial chain. You also have to. It has to also be worked through the psyche, um, the psyche of an individual and the psyche of a, of a whole people. Um, and that's why if you look at the poem, I use a lot of our, I use a lot of our chemical images, mm. um, because a fundamental transformation has to take place. And it's a very difficult transformation. And sometimes it happens through the history of a people, which can be bloody and angry and full of rage and can have very calm moments. And um, I, I just thought the poem was just best expressed, that, that difficult transition.
2: In this book of poetry, after the table of contents, after the listing of the poems, there's tiny, small instructions that say, read slowly at the bottom of one page. That's all it says on the page. Why is that important for readers to keep in mind? Read slowly.
1: I think we've um, I think we been in a, a too fast reading phase um, for a long time. Um, I feel that we, we read too quickly. We listen too quickly, we understand too quickly, we analyze too quickly, we criticize too quickly. Um, and the thing is that when we slow down our reading, we deepen our comprehension. We, when we slow down our listening, we deepen our hearing. Um, and I've, I've come to right now in this stage of my of my writing life, this is last 15 years, and I've, and, and I've come to write in a very, very compressed um, elliptical way. Mm-hmm. Um, and And you get the music of what I'm writing of my of my of my language best when you slow down, because all of the music and all of the magic and all the power is actually inside. and if you read it fast, you miss the the, the, the nuances.
2: That would mean that's also a, an interesting idea for someone to to take time for themselves to slow down.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. we need to We need to slow down in our living. We need to just walk a little slowly sometimes. Um, enjoy the the the, the silences uh, of life. Just watch a watch a watch a cloud scudding across the sky. Um, listen to the you know the the the, the, the music of people's voices. Yeah.
2: My guest is Ben Okere. We're discussing his poetry collection, A Fire in My Head, Poems for the Dawn. We'll talk more about the poems in a minute. I just want to get to more from the beginning of the book before we dive in. There's a lot to experience. Um, There is the Yeats quote, I went out to the Hazelwood because a fire was in my head from the song of the song of a wandering Angus. Uh, What was it about this poem that you took the title from your book from it or that you wanted to include these two lines?
1: well, first of all, I was kind of you know uh you know I, <laughs> which of us poets doesn't love Yeats? um <laughs> and this is uh this is early this is early Yeats. this is mythic Yeats. um this is Yeats exploring the relationship between um the land and mythology um and um to be honest with you, I was really rather surprised that nobody had um <laughs> because Yeats is very much mined um for for titles. Uh, he's one of the most used poets for titles in the world. And I was very surprised at a fire in my head. This wonderful phrase from, from, from the wandering angles hadn't been, hadn't, been, hadn't been used. It's a, it's a magical little poem. Um, but a fire in my head kind of really spoke to me really deeply because I've been carrying quite a few fires in my head for a while. Um, mm-hmm. Political fires, mythic fires, um, fires about love, spiritual fires. Um, and the, the whole idea of a fire in your head is—it is kind of makes, turns your head into a cauldron. It goes back to alchemy all over again. Um, it's as if you've got this heat in your head that you really need to share. Um, and it, it, it was just—it was just—it was, just was just a perfect title, and I was just very lucky that no one else had nabbed it before me.
3: The collection is divided into five sections: Unknown Hour, Convergence, Midday, Dusk, Invocation era, Hour. What made sense in that arc? Why did that arc make sense?
1: Well, first of all, it's, um, it's designed to sort of track the, the, um, the medieval book of ours. Um, anyone who knows the, 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 the paintings uh, that they combine with books in the medieval, uh, medieval times, you can see these in many of the great galleries. Um, they divided, the, divided the, the, the spiritual life into ours. Not only that—that that sort of traces the, the hours of the day, but it's also the, 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 the hours of, of a life, the hours of the development of the spirit, and I also take it to be the hours of of of, of, of spiritual growth. Um, in this book, um, the the it's divided that way because um, they're political poems mostly, um, and they, and they and they start with the unknown hour from which many of our from which many of our difficulties come and into which they go, um, and it develops into convergence because that's the place where the problems, the difficulties become become visible. They converge and we see them. Um, midday is the day; is, is the hour of heat and um, and, and, and and the forge and, and tempers and, and 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 anger. Dusk is it's it's it's, it's darkening. Invocation R is when we we find a new kind of energy. To 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 deal with these these problems. So the whole book in a way is a kind of meditation on the hours of 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 of, of the political program of the individual and the poet and looking at what's going on in our world. I needed a structure um, mm-hmm. for the for for for, for 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 this for this volume. And this medieval book of ours was just was just perfect for me.
3: Ben, would you read another poem for us?
1: Ah, do you have a choice?
3: Um, How Many Ways?
1: How about How Many Ways? Okay. How Many Ways is a wonderful one to choose because it's a new poem I wrote especially for the American edition. How many ways can a world be destroyed? She asked skeptically. He drew a breath in the darkness of the day after the Mayan end of the world and in a blue voice said, The world can end in many ways. It can end with a ship coming to a shore. Oh, I can see that, she said. Only, he replied, because you believe history is truer than a symbol. And what else, she asked. The world can end with the breaking of an egg. I fear, she said, you're getting esoteric. Not at all, came he quietly. A symbol is more accurate than history. For the first time, she was silent. Maybe the mystery of symbol was the cause. Maybe she sensed more. The world can end, he said, with a kiss. Then she gasped. It can end with a touch, with the sound of a voice, a light in the distance, an odd shaped moon can end with an idea, the birth of a child or a road taken too long. She was no longer listening. Maybe her listening had taken her to a distant river, a childhood shoreline where an arriving ship brought her dark afternoons and snow.
3: That was Ben Okri reading from his book of poems. This is called How Many Ways, a new poem for the American edition. When did you write this poem? What inspired it for this particular oh. this particular collection?
1: <laughs> well, this was written about um, seven, eight years ago. Um, I tend to write poems and leave them, forget them, come back to them yeah. when, they, when they call to me. Um, and it was really based on the on a conversation I was having with um with with someone I just met we're talking about um the ancient world we're talking about Africa the caribbean we're talking about how worlds end you know um a ship in the distance I was thinking about the ships that came to many countries in Latin America I was thinking about ships that came to um, america itself the ships that came to and I was just thinking about the ways in which worlds end and uh, what are worlds a world can be the the dream of a people in their in their little enclave. A world can be our big world, and the cl- climate catastrophe there. It was for me. It was a very open meditation. All of these, all of these things, just there in a simple conversation. And it was, I think, it was just right for for the, for the American uh, collection at this particular time because <laughs> we're not asking that question: How many ways can the world end? Um, we're having to deal with that every day. Anyone who's uh, got the slightest feeling about the climate. Um, a catastrophe hanging over us, you know, is 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 asking asking that question: How many ways can our world end?
2: There's a line in the poem that just leaps out: "A symbol is more accurate than history." And is that because uh, history, <laughs> the history we read, depends upon the point of view of who writes it?
1: Absolutely, history is one of the most contested things. What is history? Who who? Who declared it to be history? Who wrote it? Who, from whose point of view? How objective is it? Um, how inclusive is it in all the truths? How many defeats, are, how many true defeats, are contained in the big-heartedness of its narration? Um, history is contentious and will always be uh, contentious because there are so many voices that are not heard that emerge much later on and say, "Well, actually, I was there. My voice is not recorded." Um, but a symbol, a symbol is is truer. A symbol sometimes emerges from the depth of our consciousness from the distillation of our lives and mm-hmm. it's just there it just holds the, the the truth of a moment or the truth of an understanding unwavering um, on, on whether the symbol is a circle or it's a lamp held up in the dark um, you know or whether it's a fist or whether it's um, a kiss sent across an empty space to someone who is departing
3: the collection includes uh, a poem that viewers, it's
2: very well-known, Grenfell Tower, June 2017, about the fire that started in a mostly low-income London high-rise, killed more than 70 people. And your reading of the poem has been viewed more than 6 million times on Facebook. When did you know this poem was resonating with people?
1: Um, I don't know. It took a while to... Uh, before, I, before I became aware of that, um, you see, the thing is uh, the, the Grand Forks disaster happened not very far from where I am, and um, mm-hmm. um, around three, four o'clock at night, you can already smell the the, 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 the ashes as well as the um, the, 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 the bodies. The, you know, I know the smell of burnt bodies because of because I grew up during the Civil War, um, and I just I wrote it through all of that and read it out on TV, and then not long afterwards um, it was just reproduced everywhere it was reproduced on walls it was reproduced in newspapers people were responding in America New Zealand Australia Africa Um, and it was it was it was it it was very very moving um, that this fire um, in a you know in in central in London touched so many lives like I just kept I've been wondering over the years why that is Um, and I think it's because of the the Archaic ancestral fear of being burnt alive mm. um, that most people have, as well as a profound sympathy, a sympathy um, for 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 those people in that tower who d- didn't have anything to help them escape. You know, they weren't you know, there's, there's there's nothing. There, there's, no, there's no stairwells that they could escape down. There's no fire um, extinguishers. It was it was it was the, it was, the it was a great. Um, indictment mm-hmm. um, of, of, a, of a system that doesn't value the lives of the poor, as it should value all lives.
2: Ben, how is your process different when you're writing about something that's very real and very specific versus that work that the muse sends to you?
1: That's a great question. That's a really wonderful question. Um, I think with something like The, the Grenfell, I go into... I go into a state that is close to grieving. It's very, very strange. It's, it's like descending into my own in, into my own into my own underworld. I, 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 I sink myself into a state. It's it's not an emotional state. It's not really. It's, it's not. It's not really anger or anything like that. I just sink myself into a condition of absolute feeling as it enters into language, and I. It's, those those poems are never driven by my head. Never driven by my intelligence, never driven by my knowledge of, of, of the great poetry of the world. I'm just driven um, by this pure feeling. Um, and they're very difficult to write. And sometimes with, with this one, it took me five hours. I just was writing um, with, with, with internal tears um, just for, for, for five hours and then came out of that state and then spent some time writing. it. But the most important process is submitting oneself to this state that uh, there's no other word for it, but akin to a kind of a huge grieving that's taking place inside one. And I've got, I, I think, like many people, um, I have a lot of I have a lot of unfinished um, on, on grieving inside me, which 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 is uh, strangely enough and a terrible thing to say. Uh, it's a great well, a great source for poetry, even love poetry.
3: My guess is Ben Oakry. The name of the poetry collection is A Fire in My Head. Ben, would you take us out on another poem? Your poem of your choosing. Oh. Mm.
1: Okay. The poem of my choosing. So I, mean, I want to read you I want to read you a love poem. I want to read you poems about, about poetry. But you know, I I I'm gonna read one that was suggested earlier. I'm gonna read Africa as a reality, not saying. Terrific. Um, because it gives me an opportunity to share certain feelings I have. Africa is a reality not seen. Africa is a reality not seen, a dream not understood. Its wars are the scab of a wound, its famine, the cracking. Of seeds. Its dictatorships, a child torturing beetles in a field. Its soul is older than Atlantis. And like all things old, it's being reborn and doesn't know it. Countless cycles of civilization and destruction are lost in its memory, but not in its myths. Africa is a living enigma. An old woman taken for a child, a wise man taken for a fool, a beggar who is also a great king.
3: You've just heard Ben Okri reading some of his poetry from A Fire in My Head, Poems for the Dawn. Ben, thank you so much for sharing your poetry with us.
1: It's been wonderful being a conversation with you. Thank you.